Welcome back, everyone. Here we are, episode two of The Art of Tea. And today we're talking about mental health. Please be advised that some of the topics discussed in this week's episode may be triggering to some. We are in no way mental health experts. These are merely our own opinions and experiences. I can't stress enough how much of this I'm winging, but I promise to give nothing but good-hearted, fun advice, amongst other things. Brian and I are both people who've suffered with anxiety for a lot of our lives. Would it be suffered? Would you say suffered? I wouldn't say suffer as much as suffering. <laughs> I've been suffering from. <laughs> it's still con- It's still continue. <laughs> I will say that it is definitely helpful to have a best friend in your life who also has the kind of crazy thoughts that you do because you feel less alone in the world. And it's nice to be surrounded by people who are going through similar circumstances. It's nice that you can go through it with someone who understands your circumstances and any other life experiences. It's good to have that support system. Also, we understand that not everybody is lucky enough to have that support system. That's kind of what we're doing here. We stressed that in the first episode, but I want to reiterate that this is being started with the goal of creating a really open and loving community of people that can help each other. Let us be your stress reliever for 40 to 50 minutes. Maybe sometimes longer. It really just depends on the day. I've been thinking a lot lately about how when we were younger, it's like we see the world through rose-colored glasses. Everybody's a hero. You just don't think that the people that you love could ever do you or anyone else any harm. And then it's like you grow up and you hit this age where everything just smacks you in the face. I've been struggling with that for like a solid six to eight years now. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Definitely a moment in your childhood where something just snaps and that man that you see walking down the street looks like he could be a possible serial killer. Or a murderer. Who knows? Or you can look up to somebody in your family and think that they're one person and then you grow up and people start to be honest with you about this person and then it's like bam every idea and thought you had about this person changes overnight and you have to come to some sometimes harsh realizations about people especially considering well first the political climate that's going on it's going to drag out some personalities that you didn't expect to see from your family your loved ones it's disheartening It is, but also I will say that for me, it's definitely been that like, you know, I go to certain sides of my family's houses and there are discussions that I maybe don't always disagree or I'm sorry, that I maybe don't always agree with. But with that being said, I'm one of the lucky ones because although I do have family who feel very different than me politically, they don't 
make me feel bad for feeling the way I feel and having different opinions, they'll sit there and they'll listen, even if they disagree. And I think that that's what people need to do more of. Don't be afraid to just listen to what the other side has to say. Just because you have a difference in opinions doesn't mean there's not a way to be cordial with one another. I think all of that really affects how people are feeling nowadays, especially with everything going on. It dwells on mental health. It was, I don't know how to like start to talk about it, but Mm. it was crazy that like I started noticing things like when Obama got elected, right? Like that's when things started really changing politically around like family and stuff and friends for me Mm. because I thought, what an exciting time. It's about fucking time. I was so hopeful for what that presidency was going to bring to the United States. But there was so many people who, like, made me feel down about that. And some of those people were in my family. I'm not going to lie. And it's, like, it's hard. It's hard, especially whenever you feel so strongly in one direction and the people you love feel so strongly in the opposite direction. I guess for that, during that time, I never really, maybe it was the school I went to or the city I was in, but I never really noticed such a, what's the word, a hate and a just mixed feelings and emotions about Obama's presidency or when he was elected. At that time, I just thought of it as, wow, someone who isn't white, like, great, like, okay, that's fun. But during that time, I wasn't really too big into politics. I wasn't either. Like whatsoever. I paid it no mind. I paid it no attention. It was just something that, I don't know. I just couldn't be bothered. And that shit changed immediately. (laughs) Quickly. Quickly. I know personally... I'm not going to out anybody for their political beliefs, um, but I have a couple people in my family who are Trump supporters Mm. for their own reasons that I do my best to try to understand. That must be nice, though, because for people who maybe aren't as close with their families, it's sometimes a, not a secret, but it's like a, I really don't know who you support. And maybe sometimes that's best. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I didn't know some of the things I know. But I digress. Yes. (laughs) I'm 100% with you on that. I think sometimes it's better to just keep politics out of it completely because it can be polarizing within a family. And that's not fair. It shouldn't be. Your family's your family, regardless of who you support politically. It's a touchy and tough subject, definitely. And that shit affects your mental health. At least mine this year and last year and the year before and et cetera. I know that I've personally dealt with anxiety from a really young age. My mom has always had anxiety and depression. My grandma. um, A lot of the women in my family suffer from this deep, dark thing that we have looming over us. But the other thing I will say is that although we have some crazy thoughts and sometimes get stuck in this darkness that we 
kick and scream and fight our way the fuck out of it. Every single one of us. And I'm really proud of being able to say that I can do that because there were some times in my life where I thought that I couldn't get out of it. Hmm. Do you think that's something with families where if they have anxiety or depression or whatever they're going through, it will pass down to their children, etc.? I think that it could. Um, I think it also depends. I think some people are better at hiding it from their kids. Mm. I wouldn't say that it helped me or hindered me the way that my mom handled her anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of, you know, to be honest, I didn't really notice it much about her. It was like only if shit hit the fan, right? Like if there was back-to-back buildup of things, like of course she would have her moments. But overall, I will say she did a really great job of keeping whatever hardship she was dealing with behind closed doors because I didn't really ever see it. And she would talk to me all the time about when she was working in fast food and how she would come home upset and crying every day because that's not where she wanted to be but she knew she had to do it type of stuff and i'm like yeah i I never knew i never knew i feel like at that age we really don't of course ask our parents any of that like well i mean i mean i'm sure some do but i never did when i was little my mom would go to work she'd come home and then that would be it but i was you know i was young i was little i wasn't really thinking about anything like that but i imagine Back in those times, you know, for our parents' ages, mental health and all of that wasn't really a subject. It was kind of a, let's just sweep it under the rug type of situation. As opposed to today, our generation and even the ones after us, they have, what's the word? They have escapes. They have ways to cope with it and to deal with it and seek help from it. Our parents didn't really have that, I don't think. No. I think that a lot of what our parents did in place in place of maybe therapy was throw themselves into other stuff to stay preoccupied. Like, mm-hmm. I know that my parents struggled a lot with not having money, specific to when me and my sister Raina were younger. It was really hard. Like, I don't know if any of my friends at the time really understood the level of, like, broke that we were but we were so broke and my parents were going through it but then they would still do things like my dad would barbecue some stuff on the weekend or like the summertime when we wouldn't get to go on vacations instead of letting that get them down they would go and spend you know however much let's say like 30 bucks on one of those Do you remember the like three or four in one sets that you could pop up in the backyard that had like a volleyball net and you could play like. Yes. Yes. It was some kind of um, different games like that. I remember crochet where they gave you. Is it crochet? Oh, the way. The hooped horseshoe looking things that you plug into the ground and you get a big hammer and. Cricket. Cricket? No, I don't remember. The the ball colors were like red, blue, yellow, green. Yeah. Just those four dominant colors that stood out and every barbecue or every get together or something Mm -hmm. the one that my parents would get like every summer was like a volleyball net but then you could play Mm. the um oh my god i'm drawing a blank on what the game is where you use the little it looks like tennis rackets and you hit the little birdies crochet 
No. Wait. No, it has like, do you know what I'm talking about? It has like the little, the little white birdies that had the little thing on the top and you hit it with a. Because I would always play with that. Badminton. 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 Um, it had badminton. <laughs> and then we would just like barbecue and play badminton and volleyball. And I looked forward to that shit every summer. Like I didn't even care that we didn't go on vacations. My parents did such a phenomenal job of making sure that we never felt like we were without, even though we were so often back then. I think that's where wearing the rose-colored glasses stems from then because at that age you don't know what's really going on and everything just feels just easy light and fun you're not thinking about anything negative at that point i i hope so no and then it's like you hit 28 and you look back on those times and it's like man i feel kind of sad that you know my parents were struggling but Mm -hmm. also i'm very proud of them because like i said They never let it show, and we always still had a good time, and I have a ton of fantastic memories from that time in my life. Like, even though we struggled, like I said, they really made shit happen for me. So shout out to mom and dad. I love you guys. You're the best parents that I could ever ask for. Wow. wow, wow. (laughs) The realist. Yes. Shouts out. It takes a strong bitch to do what parents do. Yes. And we don't give them enough credit sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Quit that shit 2020. (laughs) Tell your mother and father you love them. Yes. Hug them. Spend time with them when you can. If you're close with them. Yeah. (laughs) If you're not close with them, then don't worry about it. Don't feel obligated to be close to them. Like, I saw saw a meme. I think it was on, like, Facebook or Instagram. One of the fucking social media sites. And it said, stop telling people that they have to be... I wish I could remember what it was like basically like stop telling people that they have to be cool with toxic people just because they're in their family like no if somebody is toxic in your life you have full full ability to be able to cut them off if it's not healthy to you which stems back to mental health yes you have to take care of yourself and you don't want to be around anybody or anything that makes you feel less than Mm mm-hmm no you are your own human you can be in contact with whoever you want i guess it just depends on the circumstances but i fully believe that you have to take time for yourself Mm -hmm. Mm. what would you say are some things that happened in your life that affected your mental health in one way or the other i would have to say my mom and dad divorcing because it was such a hard different thing to grasp at that time i was so little i didn't know what the hell was going on all of a sudden i have to see my dad every weekend or every once in a while they made it work from what i remember the only real negative things i can think of is the times when i couldn't see him And when it felt like, oh, when am I going to see him? But, you know, at that time he was in the army, so he was off traveling and doing all the army shit. But I still made it work. But that's something that really started everything, I'd imagine. After that, uh, my mom would get with someone else and then I'd see my dad with someone else. And then it's like, "Eh, it's just too messy. How did you cope with that? Um, Basically, I had no choice. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had to get over it. As one does. As one does in this crazy life. So it it was just one of those things where you had to just take the time to get used to it. And then eventually it just became more normal than the old way used to be. Exactly. And at, you know, that time, I don't know, that's when shit was popping and you had to forget about it and you really had to move on. Like, it is what it is. What's something that you remember significantly? From my youth, the thing that stands out to me is just feeling the need to make my dad's parents proud. Like, I know that seems so silly, but I have this, like, complex where I just, I feel like everything that I do, I need to do to make them proud. And I don't know what it is. And maybe I do deep down somewhere know where that stems from, but... It's really difficult for me because at 28 years old, I still find myself sometimes trying to juice up my life when I talk to them, you know, because I want them to be extra proud of me, extra excited for what I have going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been trying to do a good job recently as an adult of telling them the bad stuff, too. So I'm not just telling them about my raise or how I busted ass and worked 50 hours one week or, you know, whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Now I'll be like, "Um, well, I had a really terrible day. My anxiety was acting up. I was stuck in this depressed state for three days. Like I'm very much so more open and honest with them, but there's still a little bit of that need to make them feel proud of me. Mm. And if they heard this and if they do hear this, they're going to be so disappointed to hear that. But I'm sorry. That is part of my mental health issue. It is something I've struggled with since I was a young girl. I don't know. I just I feel like I need to be this version of myself for certain people. And I know that that is not healthy, um, mm. but we're being open and honest here. And that's what I think of the like the most when I think of my childhood and what created this anxiety inside of me you better use your first amendment rights <laughs> <laughs> i think nowadays though that's even the same things apply like sometimes the people you hang around you might change your personality a little bit to i guess make the moment what's the word I don't know. I feel like with my uh, anxiety, I sometimes have to be around certain people and it's like, okay, let me, hmm, maybe not be so extra or maybe not be so quiet. I feel like I have to be something else sometimes. Yes. Not fully, but here we are. Mm-hmm. No, I completely understand what you mean because I'm like that even with certain groups of my friends. Like, Obviously, when I'm hanging out with you, I'm the same version of myself that I am when I'm like with Allie or with my family. Mm -hmm. But there are certain other people that I'm friends with, like, you know, through work or maybe from my past that it's like I don't feel like I can fully be that version of myself around them for whatever reason, whether it be because we have different views on certain things or maybe I feel like they wouldn't respond well to like my extreme goofy side or I don't know what it is I just feel like I have to be more of an adult around certain people and then I have the ones that I can just be like the true version of my 28 year old self with 
I have to feel a sense of who I'm dealing with. Yes. Who is this person? If we're meeting for the first time, what are they about? What is their energy like? I really can't be my full self until I know who I'm dealing with. Yeah. Like people at work eventually, you know, I'd sniff them out. Like, okay, these are the people around me. And come to find out, like everyone around me right now, we're on the same wavelength for the most part. And that's nice. Mm -hmm. It's nice feeling that, not having to really hide too much of yourself. You can be open and honest. Mm -hmm. So as you got a little bit older in life, were there other things that came up that you think affected your mental health and like the way that you live your everyday life? Were there things that added to it, took away from it? Mm, I think a good portion of what I'm going through today, like in terms of anxiety and depression and all these other things, it might have started when I went out and started drinking and being out in the open with other gay men <laughs> where most of my depression and anxiety comes from. <laughs> no, just going out and being around, I guess, all these different types of people. It introduces you to new things and maybe some new experiences you weren't used to. It was definitely messy as fuck. I think that the evolution of social media affected me in a big way, too. Like, I found myself becoming overly obsessed with the idea of having, like, this perfect life or creating this perfect life for social media. And it would stress me the fuck out. I felt like I always constantly had to have, a like, a certain kind of picture to post or, you know, something fun and quirky to write to my friends or... You know, I needed to gain so many followers so that I could feel a certain way. And then I, like, kicked my own self in the ass and was like, what the f- Come on, Alex. Like, really? Mm. You are 28 years old. Is this what you're stressed about? Like, not to say that I wouldn't love to create something on these different platforms. Mm -hmm. I absolutely do. That's why I'm here. That's why we're doing this. But the idea of creating this perfect life was just, like, so toxic. It's exhausting. Yes. But a lot of that nowadays is what you see. You only see the good. You don't really see the background, the struggles, the... It wasn't a good day. And people don't talk about that. I really want to. I'm tired of showing just, like, the fun me being silly or... You've seen my videos. I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe every now and then I just want to say... Like, I wish I might have someone to talk to if, you know, you weren't around or if Javi wasn't around or if Allie wasn't around. Maybe there's someone out there who's going through whatever I'm going through at that time and we can just chat for a sec. Why not? Yeah. There's a couple of other things that I think that really impacted who I am. Mm. Um, the, the two things that kind of stand out to me are, one... I'm getting nervous to talk about it. Um, when I was 17, I ended a relationship with some, well, someone cheated on me. Mm. And I took that as an opportunity to drink and have fun with my friends and let loose. Um and I remember one of my f best friends at the time, she left me at this party. I had what was two drinks, and apparently that was enough to make me black out. And 
I distinctly remember waking up to my head banging on a headboard and not really being able to move and um, being really fucking scared because I didn't know how I got there and I felt completely disgusting because here I was clearly having sex with someone with no recollection of how I got there Um, and it completely changed the game for me in terms of how I felt about sex and how I felt about love and how I felt about my body at that time in my life, it completely, I built this wall in between relationships and sex. It wasn't like one thing anymore for me. Like I kept that shit separate because I lost a lot of respect for my own body. And that's because I was young and I obviously didn't fucking know, like I didn't know how to deal with that shit. Um, but what I will say is that although it was a hard thing for me and I struggled with it for a really long time, um, I think I learned a lot from it too. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that, like, I mean, my wife will tell you, like, there were, for the first six years of our relationships, times when we would have sex and I would be in tears afterwards. And I wouldn't even realize it. It was like a reflex that would hit me. Like I felt bad for enjoying myself. I don't know. Um, But that affects you. Um, Being invaded affects you. All I'm saying is that anybody who has also gone through this knows that it is one of the hardest things to pick yourself back up from. But you do it. Because women are fucking strong. We are stronger than the men who have done these things to us. And it helps us gain a superpower. Because although you get really low, you come up out of it and you're ready to just kick ass. I am a strong ass fucking woman today because of the shit that I went through when I was younger. And you guys are all strong ass women too. And I hope that you all have come out of the flames, right, as a phoenix, (laughs) as I have, and I hope that you know that you are just not alone and that I know how difficult it is. Um, There's a lot of us who know how difficult it is, so please, if you're struggling with it, don't give up on yourself. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You'll come out of this, and, you know, your life will be normal again. No, no matter if it takes six years or, you know, or more or less, whatever. Um, you've got this. And we're here for you. We here at the Art of Tea. Yes. That was powerful. <laughs> Sexual assault is such a, I feel like amongst young women, young girls, um, even some boys who are men, that is the leading thing for traumatic experiences. That's the one thing that could really flip it around and change you as a person. It changes who you once were into something else. Mm-hmm. It's just, I have a strong hatred for people who sexually assault and do all of that. I mean, just being in Austin, 
amongst like the gay community, it can happen. There was just a summer where I think I was probably like obviously sexually assaulted the way I uh, woke up and experienced everything. But I don't know. It's weird because in my, you know, just uh, piggybacking off of everything that happened when I was like 22, 23, 24, I think it was 25, 24, 25. Um, in a way, because I, I went through a phase, you know it, you, you've seen it all. I went through a phase of having a lot of sex. Whether it be from the clubs or grinder, not sponsored <laughs> during those times. Um, I felt in a lot of the way, in a lot of ways, it was me controlling my body. It was me saying, I'm going to have sex, but it's because I want to. It's because I choose to. Yes. And I kind of wish it wasn't like that. <laughs> you just, <laughs> you can't. You're also not alone in that because that's the same way that I kind of dealt with my situation before I met Ali. I completely kept it separate and I would go out and I would sleep with who I wanted on my own terms and then I would not start a relationship with those people. I would keep it completely one-sided. Dobby. Um, it was very much so, let's go to the club. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go home. Maybe that person and I can be friends. That's about as far as it's going to go, friends. Like, mm-hmm. I had, I can't think of, I mean, I had maybe just a handful less. I would say three relationships in my life. And most of them were under a year. And then I met Allie and, like, things changed, obviously. But in that time in between, it was a lot of, like, I couldn't, I don't know. I don't know. How did y'all deal with it? Just because the relationship y'all are in now, it's been eight or nine years. Like, at what point did y'all talk it out? Or, um, like the the way I was reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it first happened like a few months into us being together, and she w- thought that she had done something wrong to me, and I kind of wasn't ready to fully explain to her the reason why and honestly I'm not sure that I even knew the reason why that I was crying you know Mm. and then after it started happening kind of frequently throughout the first couple years like I had to really sit back and be like what the fuck is going on and I sat with myself one night and like cried and cried because I realized that I felt guilty I felt guilty and for some reason I felt like my body wasn't good enough because I loved her so much. I felt like she deserved just the best of the best of everything and I felt like I couldn't offer that to her because little to my own knowledge, like I didn't realize that I had still been holding on to all this shit for so long. Like I know that now as a 28-year-old adult that I separated sex and love. I know now as a 28-year-old adult that I cried for a while after my assault because I felt guilty about giving out, I don't know, my body to the people that actually mattered. Mm -hmm. It's like I only wanted to give it to people who didn't. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I thank fuck that I'm out of that now. But, like, it really 
it really changes who you are for a little while at least. I feel like it's a thing though for getting over these things by doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These people, they're just, they're not in your life. They're just there for a night or two or, you know, in my case, like an hour. But, <laughs> and then that would be it. You wouldn't have to tell them the nitty gritties or anything about your life. It's just a, hey, how are you? And that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I wish neither of us ever had to go through that, but I feel like we are the people we are now because we went through these dark, depressing times and had to find ways to cope and deal with it. Tell me your coping methods. (laughs) Give me some advice. Honestly, I smoked a lot of weed at the time. Um, It really helped with my anxiety. I also... You know what? Honestly, I'm not really sure because before that, I wrote a lot. I love to write poetry. I love to write short stories. That all kind of stopped for a really long time until like the last couple years I've picked back up. Mm. Um, Definitely smoking weed and listening to music. Like that shit was the one thing that would calm me down. And um, it was the safest bet. You know, there were obviously other alternatives that were offered to me to help me, but I don't sway towards the prescription drugs. Mm. Remember on Instagram when we asked people what are some uh, things you're going through or what kind of disorders do you have or Mm. how are ways you deal with them? Some people brought up a really a lot of really good things. Like this one person said they went hiking, they jogged, they sweated it out, get those endorphins going. And I remember I used to be really big on that as well, just having a little jog for the afternoon or something, just to sweat the day out. Mm-hmm. I think I should start doing that again. I need to get my fat ass up and run, girl. I really do. Clear this and clear my mind. Yes. I know. There. Was, what else was there? Someone said that they like to write down what they're feeling and they also like to write down and listen to positive mm-hmm. affirmations i think that's a great idea meditation is a fantastic option yoga was mm-hmm. also mentioned um i had one say painting painting is good because a lot of times you can really just paint your emotions out and put it on the canvas put it on the piece of paper mm-hmm. put it on someone's house <laughs> maybe an ex i don't know your old boss <laughs> I think they call that graffiti, but that's fine. (laughs) Not an expert. It's crazy because there's so many different types of having a mental disorder. From anxiety to depression to trauma to anything. I feel like there's just a never-ending list. I don't know. What are some things you think in today's time? what, what What are you going through? I suffer every single day with anxiety. I suffer frequently still from depressive episodes and I've recently started to learn more about bipolar disorder because someone close to me and my family was diagnosed and I've been kind of trying to figure out how to positively and accurately communicate with this person just because I know sometimes it's a little different I know how the mood swings can be the ups and downs of it um anxiety depression and 
bipolar are the three things that I would say that I'm definitely most familiar with um, and see most frequently nowadays. That's fair. I think I'm dealing with anxiety, depression. A lot of this I really do want to get checked out because I know for sure I've got some shit going on. People really, really close to me can attest to either my mood swings or me being irrational or any of it. I need to see what was wrong with my dad. And then I need to see what was wrong with my grandpa, because that shit might have traveled down to me. And baby, I'm not trying to deal with that. But here I am. I need to get that shit checked. Okay, so say you get this checked. They say this is what's wrong with you. Do you indulge in the medications that they provide? Me, personally, if I was ever presented a medication to cope with any of this, I don't think I would take it. I'm in that mindset right now where we're all going to die someday, so, like, just got to work it out and get through it, deal with it. I mean, if medication would help, then by all means, maybe I'll try it for a little bit, but I just know I wouldn't want to. Mm -hmm. But I do need something. Mm-hmm. And we can only cut it for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that and living in Texas where we live, it makes it difficult for that to be an option to help us with our mental health issues. Um, I will say the thing that makes me nervous about prescription medication is the percentage of people who become addicted, mm-hmm. you know, after injuries or people who do start on medication for their anxiety and then they can't get off of it because then the real world is just too tough for them to handle. Like, that situation scares me. Um, I also know for a fact that pills are very addictive. I've lost people in my life to addictions. I have myself overdosed and been... I myself have overdosed and ended up in the hospital because of prescription pills. And I don't know. It's just scary. But I do think that people who don't have addictive personalities and who aren't really deep into the darkness of their depression, like it can help them. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a big stigma of taking medications because uh, some of these therapists and these doctors, they really don't care. They're just trying to get you hooked on it. Keep you buying it. Keep coming. Keep coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a... It... It's a tricky subject. The pharmaceutical companies are a bunch of fucks, most of them, because to be honest, that is what it is. I'm going to sit here right now and tell you how much that I could give a fuck about them because my grandma, for example, who's diagnosed with stage four cancer, she the cocktail of drugs that they give her to take is ridiculous the last thing that she wants to do is have to continue to take all these huge pills that offset the other pills that she's taking which offset the other pill that she's taking like especially the stuff for her pain or for her sleep or for her nausea that could be replaced with medical marijuana and it is a much safer option all these other pills give her side effects that have a quite a few times over the course of this last of this most recent diagnosis almost killed her and that is fucking bullshit when has weed almost killed anybody that it tried to help <laughs> never never have i ever heard a story a breaking news update about someone overdosing on weed Mm-mm. if it happened bitch it's one out of like 
millions i'm sure unless you're smoking it wrong and that's on you if you don't know how to smoke boo boo get it together it's those people but, that mix it with other shit that get fucked up yes or the people that sell it and they lace it with all this bullshit that they don't need to be lacing it with mm-hmm. girl give what mother earth gives you just take it run with it smoke it and have a good day <laughs> off and offer it to people who fucking need it like jesus i know that this podcast doesn't people that work for the pharmaceutical companies aren't going to google my podcast and try to listen to it but just on the off chance that one of you motherfuckers is listening fuck all the way off you know what it is they charge thousands and thousands and thousands for these prescription medications and you could just get a gram of weed for like thirty dollars thank wait a gram of weed is not thirty dollars ten dollars <laughs> caught me slipping it's been a minute those are frat boy prices <laughs> those are white girl prices <laughs> and what no, but in all honesty, that's what it is. Getting legalized marijuana is a cheaper, safer alternative for lifelong effects. It can help you for a good moment of your life, I'm sure. It's helped me with everything, with coping with my grandma's cancer diagnosis. That's been really tough. My grandma is somebody that I'm closest to in my family. We have like this next level like understanding of each other. And even though sometimes we disagree with each other, like, it doesn't affect our relationship at all. She helped raise me. She's the reason why I fight through all my dark days because she has been through so much, but she is still kicking the world's ass every day. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was very hard for me when she was diagnosed again because she had been in remission for, like, 18 years and it came back and got, like got her out of nowhere, you know. I remember um, living with y'all at the time when all yes. this was going on. Yes. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine just hearing one minute, okay, everything's gonna be fine, and then all of a sudden, well, no. It was literally like, my mom sat us down after Thanksgiving to tell us, like we were sitting on the couch. Mm. She told us I lost my shit. I am and. I'm doing better now. Like, years have passed. She has been kicking this cancer's ass for years. Um, yeah. So proud of her. I know how hard it is for her. I, I see it, you know. I can see it when I talk to her. She's so frustrated with having to deal with this all over again, but she's still trying. And that is sets the tone for who she is as a woman and as a mother and as a grandmother and as a wife, like, no matter what she's going through, she puts that shit aside to worry about everybody else. Like, there's no reason why she should be out constantly, like, picking up things for other people and buying things for these people and cooking things and mm-hmm. doing, you know, she should be relaxing, whatever. But she literally said, like, this is what keeps me alive. Like, I'm not going to stop living my life because this cancer thinks that that's what I'm supposed to do or is making my body think that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck that. I'm going to keep going and doing what I do. And that is what it is. And she does. Um, I will say that I occasionally provide her with edibles that I think really help her. And I'm going to continue to do so because it's 2020 and the rest of the world needs to get with Colorado and California and Oregon and Vegas and all the other fucking states in this uh, uh. United States that have legalized marijuana. Come on. So word on the street is Texas might legalize 
either recreational, medical. It could be coming sooner than we think. But it's Texas. I don't trust it. I don't trust where we live. Travis County semi-decriminalized it. Mm. They had like that bill 56 or something or something like that oh I don't know. I'm only getting caught with that. uh so little of yeah it. then which has always kind of been that way in travis county but i guess they're just like reiterating that oh you know where i don't want to get caught with weed williamson county oh here <laughs> yes i know <laughs> yeah wilco is <laughs> intense it's a mess. Even my mom told me that shit was messy. Yeah. And if she's telling me it, I can believe her because she's a smart bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to your mama. We love her. We love her here on the pod. <laughs> and in real life and all over. She's just the best. Oh, she really is. Shout out to my mama. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about before I forget, like the kind of crazy and reasonable thoughts I sometimes get with my anxiety. Mm. Um. The last time we tried to record this podcast, I sort of went over it. But, like, an example that I had was if I'm in a car at a stoplight. Okay. And there are city workers doing lawn work. I w- cannot stop thinking that a rock is going to ricochet out from under their lawnmower and smack me through the window in my Ugh. fucking head. Like, I I understand how that is unreasonable. That doesn't happen to people. Yet, here I am. Three out of five days a week driving to work, being scared that I'm going to die from a rock that probably will never come at me. It could very well happen is the (laughs) thing. You're not unreasonable for thinking that. The odds of it happening are great, but there's still a chance. Yeah. But it would be your luck or even something like my luck that some shit like that would happen. Well, I'd rather take that over... Something with my anxiety going to the fucking movies. I just we just talked about this. Yes. The thought of someone, I don't know. Anytime I see anyone walk in that bitch, I don't care how awkward it is to stare at someone dead in their eyes. But I will look at this bitch up and down and inspect them. I'm like, is this bitch about to pull out a gun and fucking kill us all? Is this bitch about to pull out a a little knife and shank us all? I don't know. Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> but. I just start thinking, okay, I'm here for the movie. It's going to be good. No one's going to fuck with us like that. But in the off chance that it does happen, I have a I have a plan. I have a backup. And I shouldn't have to be thinking of a plan to watch a two-hour movie. But here we are. Here we are. I think that there are a lot of people who feel that way. And there are some people that are going to be like, mm-hmm, well, you can't just stop living your lives over the idea that this might happen. Well, you're privileged. Also, probably white. Also, I'm still going to feel the way I feel. Ah, tell me more about it. <laughs> like, I can tell you right now, when we went and saw, what was the last movie Ellie and I saw in theaters? I think it was like the second Annabelle movie or something, or, mm. or whatever the newest Annabelle movie was. I never watched it. I think it was okay from what I remember, but I, we were sitting down in the middle of the theater, and it was at Alamo. So, you know, you get you have like numbered seats where you sit. Yes. Well, the movie had started, and then this guy comes in after the movie had already started and sat directly next to me. And I'm like, you had to look, sir, at the, sh- the seating chart and mm-hmm. see that there were two people sitting here. 
and you chose to sit directly next to us, you know, and he was uh, by himself. So I started panicking and I really like I had the overwhelming feeling like we need to go like something's going to happen. Like I thought that my in- instinct was telling me that shit was about to go down. Shit didn't go down. And lo and behold, <laughs> 10 minutes later, his wife and son come in and they sit on the other side of him. But like I really had that moment where I was about to say, fuck the 20 whatever dollars we spent on this ticket. We got to go. I'm not taking this chance. You better use that refund thing they give you at the end of your ticket yes. saying, come back and tell us what's wrong with the movie. And if we can, I would switch days. I'd switch days, times, either early in the morning or late at night. Because I know he has to tuck that child in at some point. Mm-hmm. And that man will be home. I will be at the movies enjoying my margarita. I feel you on that. And it's sad that it has to be that way. Don't you feel, though, that it's like that for multiple events, though, too? Like going out to the gay bars or going to Pride or going to specific shows for certain artists. You know, there's just that fear in pretty much everything nowadays because you never know where, when, and who, you know? It goes with a lot of things. Uh, You can't judge a person's look based off of what you think they might be. Like, you don't know what a killer looks like. You don't know what a rapist looks like. You don't know what a anything. You just really can't tell. And I think that's what's so terrifying. It can be anybody next to you. I get anxiety going to the fucking groceries. That shit stresses me out. I have to go at night when there's, like, no one there because I just cannot deal with that many people in one area. And I know the argument can be said, well, you go to like a concert or you'll go to a show. But at that point, I'm already drunk off my ass. I don't fucking care if I get shot up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bitch, as long as I'm drunk as fuck, shoot me. You better make sure I stay down. But shoot me. Don't, sh- don't shoot him. <laughs> come for me. <laughs> don't come for me, actually. <laughs> Hand me that crystal. <laughs> I've been putting a crystal point on my forehead. I'm going to let Brian go ahead and take some of that energy and just hold on to the selenite wand for a little bit. Um, I also <laughs> want to make sure, I really, really want to make sure before we end the podcast that we talk about mental health in the workplace. To me, this mm. is something that needs to be talked about more. There are a lot of us, especially in 2020, who suffer from, like we've been talking about, depression and anxiety. These are two things that can drastically affect our our work ability. Um, there are days when I can push it aside and still be successful and have a successful day from start to finish. But more times than not, I find myself not being able to stay focused um, or feeling alone because I can't, you know, people say, especially bosses will say things like, come to me, you know, come to me. Let's talk. Let's have this conversation. I want you to be open and honest about what's going on. I want to help you. And then the second you're open and honest, they use it against you. And that is not fucking okay. I'm just going to say I've had a coworker. I'm not going to say which job, but I will say it was recent, 
where a manager did that exact thing. They invited her into her office to vent, get it out, later to only use it against her. Sick shit. I cannot tell you how many times I have walked into a bitch and just felt this sudden weight of heaviness because my either my management or something was going on at the workplace just felt so heavy and unnecessary. You shouldn't have to go to your workplace wanting to beat your boss's ass. Yeah. Like, but here we are. They try it. Offer some money, some hour type wage. Girl, I will beat your ass for free. <laughs> My The thing that really gets me is that I'm so vulnerable sometimes that like I go in with good intentions and I always think that everyone else has as good of intentions as I do. Mm-hmm. And then it smacks me in the fucking face that they clearly don't. Smack cam. <laughs> like for real. And I'll be like, oh, I really trust and admire these people. I'm so glad that, you know, I get to be working with them. And then it's like, bam, all of a sudden, never mind. Fuck that. I should have known. <laughs> True colors are exposed in the workplace for sure. You think one person's this way, maybe they get a raise or a management position and they become someone else. They use that. That I feel like it's some kind of power trip. A sick one. I think it's messed up too that like, so there are days, not often, mm-hmm. where I wake up with extreme anxiety to the point where I feel like I can't move my chest hurts. My stomach is like it has like the case of like the shitty butterflies, like the ones that aren't like exciting, but you just know that there's like an anxiety attack just waiting to fucking take over your entire body. And like the last thing I want to do on those days is be fake and go into work. And like, you know, I wish that it was easier to, to call your boss and say, hey, I woke up. This is the way I'm feeling. I'm going to be a little bit late. I I'm off to a late start because of this reason. I'm going to come in and kick today's ass. I'm sorry, you know, whatever. I don't know. But that's like people would laugh in your face for even suggesting that or suggesting having like mental health days. Those are fucking important. Like we give away a majority of our lives to these jobs and they can't give us a day every now and then because we're mentally unwell. It's such a disgusting thing because I feel like it does depend who you are working with, who the type of person in power that is. But it shouldn't be unreasonable to say, hey, I'm having a day. If you want me to perform at my best, give me a couple of hours to come in or give me the day off. Mm -hmm. Nothing unreasonable, just I need a day to catch up. And it's sad that we even have to think about, oh, God, I can't call out today. I might get fired. Oh, God, I can't call out this day. I might miss something important. It's It just goes down to mental health not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And although nowadays it's being talked about more, which is great, a lot of uh, celebrities are coming out talking about it. Miss Gaga, shout out to her. She's a friend here at the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know. I feel like we need a, a more serious, broader discussion about it. That's what a lot of these politicians are doing, too. They're really talking about it now. I'm not trying to put this in anybody's head, but Bernie Sanders is taking it really seriously. That might be, you know, something to consider at the polling offices. Uh, you guys can say what you want, but he has never wavered from his stance. He has continued to fight for people, and I think that that is so fucking admirable. 
I'm going to say this right now. Bernie Sanders is good for my mental health. Yes. <laughs> He's good for everybody's mental health. Like, I don't like how everything is set up right now, but God damn it, he has never changed and has always been supportive of just being a normal, compassionate, decent person. Mm-hmm. Whether it's women's rights, gay rights, black rights, people of color rights, all the rights. Mm-hmm. What? How do you feel about, um, <laughs> I don't want to put anybody on blast. Maybe I won't say what I was going to say. Is this not the art of tea? <laughs> if your male manager says to you, who's a good girl? How does that make you feel as a woman? And I need an answer from all of you. Let me know. That's just not acceptable at all. Ah, jobs are crazy. But the shit you have to deal with because anything could happen. I do just want to say overall, despite everything that has happened to us, that may be happening to other people, it does get better. As cheesy as it sounds and as maybe to la la la, la da da, la da la la, everything about that. <laughs> despite everything that we've talked about, whether it be us being little, growing up to who we are now, even for other people that are listening, whatever they're going through. As cheesy and as homosexual as it sounds, baby, it does get better. Because time is the ultimate healer. Like, if I could give any advice from this whole thing, I would just say, give it time. Give it time, drink a glass of water, smoke a bowl if that's what you're into, have a cigarette. It's kind of gross, low-key, but hey, that's fine, do it, I don't care. Just I'm blowing in my face. But just find something to get you through the day. Reading, art, meditation. And always, always, always reach out. Please don't ever feel like your problems are not enough. You know, some people think, oh, this issue is not that big of an issue, so there's no point in talking about it. Yes, there is. There is a point in you talking about it because it's clearly bothering you, and it could help just for you to get it off your chest. So always reach out whether it's to one of us whether it's to one of your friends whether it's to a family member or someone who's a part of a community that you're already a part of don't be afraid to talk about your feelings know that your feelings are valid and you're not alone and like brian said time really does heal all wounds i really do be telling people you're not alone like you're really not i I'm an open ear. We're open ears over here. Like, if it can get you through the day, let us know what's going on and say hi. With all of that being said, it looks like we are coming to a wrap with episode two, our mental health episode. I just really appreciate every single one of you has who has taken the time to stream episode one. We've gotten fantastic feedback just from our little get to know you episode. Brian and I are so excited. Um, also, we are so sorry that this did not get released on the 20th. We had some mm-hmm. audio issues that were not found out until the editing process that kind of delayed this episode coming out. But all good things come to those who wait in this episode. I think we really touched on a lot of deep topics. Um, we shared a lot of things that I think were kind of important to share. I'm really excited about the turnout. 
I think this has been great to get it all out in the open. Let's get the conversation going. We have so many more conversations to be had in the coming episodes of The Art of Tea. Let's talk a little bit about our Valentine's Day episode teaser. We are going to be talking about different topics that we're going to talk about different topics that revolve around being very sex positive. We are going to talk about some different dominatrix facts. We are going to interview one of my really good friends who is a dom herself and is a working business woman badass. So please stay tuned for that. If you guys have any questions that you would like for us to talk to her about, please let me know. We'll put a post on our Instagram teasing this episode um there'll be a little question box just let us know what questions you need to have her answer or go over um and we will hopefully get to highlight that maybe at the beginning or end of the valentine's day episode it's definitely going to be a fun episode it's going to be very you're going to learn some things i'm going to learn some things It's going to definitely... With that being said, we have made it to the end of episode two. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And we cannot wait to hear from you. Or I'm sorry, we hope you can't wait to hear from us on Thanksgiving. (laughs) 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 On Valentine's Day. And if you want to connect to us before Thanksgiving, make sure you hit us up on our respectable social media sites, Instagram at the Art of Tea Pod, my personal Instagram, Brian A. Garcia. My personal Instagram at Alexandria Shuck. Last name is spelled S-H-U-C-K. Let's connect. Let's get to know each other. Otherwise, bye. See you in the next episode.